Loving Father, we are so thankful that you give us the gift of prayer that we might speak to you. And we ask that now by your Holy Spirit, you might help us to understand more about prayer so that we might pray more knowing how great it is. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. What stops you praying? Why don't you pray more? If prayer is so good and so powerful and so important, then why don't you make it more of a priority? Now, I'm not here to try and give you a guilt trip. Uh, I I don't want you to be thinking of prayer like you think of dieting or exercise. You know, one of those things you you do it for a while and you feel good about it and then you forget and you just go, well, wait till the next New Year's resolution. And that is because prayer is wonderful. Prayer is powerful. But it's right for us to talk about it today because often prayer is neglected. So why would we neglect something that is so powerful and so wonderful? Well, I think it's because of the devil. The devil doesn't want us to pray. He lies to us and says, don't waste your time or it's not that important or do something practical or just get on with things and stop talking about it. And are you sure that God really hears your prayers? Do you think it really matters to pray to him or not? What's the main thing that the devil does these days? He lies. And what does he love to lie about? Prayer. We are exposing it right now. And we realize this because we know that prayer is at the heart of spiritual warfare. This bit here about prayer comes immediately after the section about the armor of God. And it comes right after all the ways in which we put on God's armor that has worked to defeat the devil. And now we have the same armor to stand firm against the devil. And we get right at the end and it says, and pray. It's connected right there. And so with all of this in mind, I want to ask you the question, what's your prayer life like? So when do you pray in a day? Is it maybe first thing in the morning as the alarm goes off and you wake up and you pray for a bit there or around breakfast time? Uh, or maybe is it in the evening as you're preparing for sleep or you're getting to bed soon and you take a moment to sit down and pray to God? Or maybe are there other little bits in your day when you're driving somewhere, when you're walking somewhere, when you're doing something else? Maybe they are times when you pray. And when you actually do the prayer time, what is it that you do say? If you had a recording of your prayers or you could somehow, you know, the stuff that you didn't say but you thought to God, if you were able to write them all down, what would they say? What are the things that you'd ask for? What are the things that you'd be thankful for? What would be the things that you would focus your prayer attention on? Now, I'm not going to ask you to do this, but if I grabbed this wireless microphone and went around and asked people to answer some of those questions then I think we get a whole range of answers. Some of you pray in the morning, some of you pray at night, some of you pray more about this and more about that. And when we do that, it should hearten us, I think, to realise that just what we do, there's a real expression of diversity amongst us in how prayer looks. But I also wonder whether we might also think, okay, so I'm not the only person here who struggles with prayer. Okay, well, I find some comfort in that. And that's a good thing too. Uh, 
Because what we're talking about is an area of spiritual battle. It's an area of warfare. It's an area of struggle. And as we look today at how good prayer really is and some ways in which we can, we can pray God's way to him, I think that we'll go out of here with some really practical stuff that will help us embrace prayer even more in this coming week. Well, we're going to look now at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 24. It's the last bit, right at the very, very end. And as I read this out, I want you to try and answer some of these questions in your head. Who, what, where, when, why, and how? So I'm going to read out these eight verses. There's going to be stuff about prayer. And I want you to interrogate this passage of Scripture with these questions. So in a moment, after I've read it out, and I open it up to the floor and I say, okay, uh, so who should pray? And some of you, one or two of you will say, oh, this is And I say, okay, well, what should we pray? And, and you, you know, So maybe just think about one of those answers when I come to it, and I'll, I'll ask it and you can shout it out. But th- this is a handy little way of getting into God's word ourselves. Sadly, some people think you've got to be an expert to understand the Bible. So you read books about the Bible, you don't get into the Bible yourself. Nah, that's rubbish too. You just open the Bible, read stuff. And if you wanted to get into the scriptures yourself, maybe asking these questions, interrogating God's word, will help you understand the Bible better. So let's just do that now. Let me read this out from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 24. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me, the Apostle Paul, too. Ask God to give me the right word so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. To bring you up to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I'm up to, what I'm doing, and how I'm getting along. He is a beloved brother and a faithful helper in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we're doing and to encourage you. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, who? Everyone. What else? What? Praying? Boldness? What? Who? What? Where? Everywhere? When? All times. Yeah, we picked that one up. Huh? Why? doesn't say a lot about why, but we sort of go there. And how? doesn't say a whole lot about that. But, but you see, by asking these questions, even if you didn't actually say something right then, hopefully you were thinking, oh, I'm trying to get into the scriptures. Uh, that's kind of, you know, I don't want to give away all my secrets, but that's sort of what I do as I'm preparing stuff. You know, I'm just looking at the scriptures and trying to pull it apart and work it out. These are the things we're going to look at today. And to, so you don't get totally freaked out and think that we're going to be here till dinner time, I'm going to spend most of the time just on the first verse. I think people were freaked out last night, <laughs> thinking, wow, it's half past and we're already at one verse. No, but not quite like that. But you see, as we, we get into this, uh, 
you might be tempted to think that this talk about prayer is a bit of a tack-on at the end. Sometimes I'll go to meetings and we'll, it'll be a prayer meeting. We'll talk about prayer points for a long time and then we think, oh, we've got to finish in five minutes. Well, maybe someone should just pray at the end. Or think, oh, it wasn't much of a prayer point, but a prayer meeting. But anyway, that's not what Ephesians is like because prayer has been happening all throughout Ephesians. It's only in this bit that he particularly asks us to pray. And we've seen this because... Paul has been praying for the church. Back in chapter 1, verses 15 to 19, I spoke on this months and months ago. But let me read it to you again in case you missed it. It says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his glorious people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. And I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. It's an awesome prayer. It is amazing what he's praying for us. Not us directly, because this was 2,000 years ago, but in a sense, we're being prayed for. He doesn't stop praying for them. He prays that they'll have spiritual wisdom and insight. They'll grow in the knowledge of God. They'll understand God's hope. They'll understand God's power. And so when he says, will you pray for me, it's after he's already been praying for them. And he also prays as well in chapter 3 that they would have inner strength through the Spirit of God. Prayer is all throughout the letter to the Ephesians. And I think as we're looking and seeing what it is that he's asking them, or what is he's telling them at this point that he's praying for them, I think it's a reminder for us that when we head for church, pray for the teaching. When you jump in the car and you're heading up to church on a Sunday morning, pray that the teaching would teach and that we would learn and that we would grow in God's word. That's a good thing to be praying for when you put your shoes on on a Sunday morning. And I think it's obvious that people have been praying this for our church because people have been growing. And it's been such a joy as we've looked at Ephesians over the last two terms to see People go, I get this, or I understand this. And for some of you even, to get to the point where you cross from darkness to light. I mean, that is the ultimate penny drop. The Lord is answering that prayer. So thank you to those who have been praying for that. Keep praying. Because what we see in all of this is that Ephesians has been about what God has done for us. He saved us when we were dead. He made us alive in Christ. And as we look at the prayers here, it is really important to see that we don't pray to get brownie points with God. I don't know. I think prayer is one of those things that you sometimes think that if I've done a whole lot of it, that I'll have a good day. And if I haven't done it at all, I'll have a bad day. For some reason, karma, which has got nothing to do with Christianity, has crept into Christianity. We think the more prayer, the more happy. The more prayer, the more blessed. The less prayer, bad things will happen to me. It's like... Look, that's a nice thought, but it's totally wrong. It doesn't work that way. We don't pray so that we might get into God's family. We don't pray so that we might be able to be accepted by him. We don't pray as a kind of a good work that God would say, oh, keep up your prayers, oh, well done, I heard lots of good prayers, now I'll be your friend. 
We pray because we are already secure in God's family. We are already part of his family. And we can come and say, Dad, which which is actually what the word Abba means. They used to say to God, Dad, why would you say that if you're not his child, his beloved child? We pray as someone who is sitting at the feet of Dad. And it's not like, oh, I want you to pray, but more so you can be my child. It's like, no, brother, that's weird. You pray because he's already your dad. We pray knowing we're safely in his arms. We don't pray so that we might somehow win his favour, because that's completely around the wrong way. Prayer is about sitting at the feet of our Heavenly Father as his child, savouring that friendship, delighting in his kindness. As we say, are saved, safe, secure children, we talk to our dad. But how? Well, let's get into Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. In just 11 words, we see two really important instructions about prayer. The first is pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. What does that mean? I think that we'd be tempted to think pray in the spirit is kind of like a super spiritual prayer or maybe a a prayer that looks really spiritual, maybe intense or ecstatic or like like weird noises or something like that, a spiritual prayer in that way. But we've just heard something about the spirit in the verse just before it. And I think this will help us understand what it means to pray in the spirit. Because in 17b, just before that, it says, And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. So, okay, so if the sword of the Spirit is the word of God, praying in the Spirit must involve the word of God as well. So praying in the Spirit is going to be using God's word. We pray in the Spirit when we pray God's word. You might think, oh, can't we have an alive prayer, a living prayer, rather than just a dull prayer that's written, pre-written by somebody else? What, you mean like this one? Chapter 118. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope he's given to those he's called, his holy people who has rich and glorious inheritance. If you think that's dull and boring and archaic, then oh, your standards are pretty unusual because this is full of, wow, this is what it means to pray in the Spirit, to be praying like that. So I love praying God's word to God. I think that's what praying in the Spirit's all about. And we as a congregation say a lot of prayers together. We don't just sort of sit in the audience and let someone up here behind the microphone pray for us. We pray together. This is a participation thing. That's why we have the words up on the screen and we pray those prayers out loud. We pray a psalm, which is directly out of the Bible. And we pray other words of prayer that have been written by people over the years, flooded with God's word. This is why we pray the Lord's Prayer when we come every single week. Not because we're bored and we want to fill some time or we've run out of options. It's like this is just the gold standard of prayer. And as we're praying God's word, we're praying in the spirit. It could be argued that that is the moment when we pray most in the spirit in the whole of our service, when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Hmm. It's not the only thing we do. 
But I hope you see that this is a practical reason why it's good to know your Bible well, why it's good to pray. You know, it's really good to hear God's word and then to pray, to, to read a bit of Ephesians and say, well, I might use those bits as my words. hope God doesn't accuse me of plagiarism. It's like, no, he's OK with that. That's what praying in the spirit is all about. And so we pray in the spirit as we grow in God's word. You, you, be, you say more stuff that's from the Bible and then you think more stuff from the Bible and therefore you pray more stuff from the Bible. And I love a whole lot of the prayers that are out of the old Anglican prayer book. Uh, there's a prayer actually for today, which happens to be the second Sunday of Advent. And it's a, it's a very well-known prayer. It's an old, old prayer. But you can tell that it's been written by somebody who is just swamped with God's word. And it's about God's word too. It's a great prayer. I'll read it to you. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn and inwardly digest them that encouraged and supported by your holy word, we may embrace and always hold fast the joyful hope of of everlasting life which you have given us in our Saviour, Jesus Christ. I I think when we're praying a prayer like that, yeah, it's an old prayer from an old dead guy, but it has a freshness to it still. And it's a prayer we can say together. And it's a prayer that that is, in a sense, praying in the spirit. Or or another one by a, a, a great Christian philosopher of old. You can tell the Lord that you love him any time. Thank him for his love and care. Shoot him up an arrow prayer. (laughs) You see, as we are told in all of this that we, we are to be people who are praying in the spirit, but we're also told that we are to be praying at all times and on every occasion, which is what I think Colin's word in that song is all about. Anytime. In the middle of whatever you're doing at school, at lunch when you're kicking a ball, when you're chasing your mates all over the place, you can talk to the Lord of all. When you're happy as Larry, when you're full of joy, when you're blown out by the view, give thanks to the God who showered his blessings, showered his blessings on you and you and you and you. Because you can tell the Lord that you love him anytime. Thank him for his love and care. Shoot him up an arrow prayer. I think that's what it's talking about when it says that we should pray at any time in all places, in all occasions. See, because prayer should be a natural discussion with God. It's not a bad thing to have a set time when you pray to God. That's a really good thing to do. But it's not the only time when you pray. When you're walking along somewhere, when you're in the car, sometimes turn the radio off, you know, just talk to God. Have those moments when you're gardening and you're walking or you're doing something boring or you're waiting in the doctor's surgery or you're behind 10 trolleys or coals or whatever it is, sitting there waiting, pray. Pray all the time. It's a natural discussion with God. And I think we can do this because we've got unfettered access to the ruler of the universe. If you picked up my mobile phone and you looked in here and said, oh, ScoMo, you would think that I'd be using it all the time. You know, ScoMo, when can we sing in church? You know, ScoMo, you know, and, and especially when he's on TV. He's like, oh, press, people of Australia, oh, just a second. Jody McNeil, sorry, everybody, hold that thought. Jones, how you doing? You know, I, if I could, if I knew ScoMo's number, it'd be like that. But I know someone's number who's better than that. 
God! He's in charge of control of ScoMo and everything. So why don't I call him more? Why don't you call him more? Unfettered access to the one who controls the universe and calls you his precious child. It's not like he's angry with you anymore. Why don't we do that? Well, I think it's because it's a spiritual problem. Satan says, ah, oh, don't bother. Don't just pray. Do something. Better to die on your feet than live on your knees. And so we leave prayer as a last resort. When tragedy strikes, we try the only thing that's left. Well, I've given up on everything else. I may as well pray. It's like, really? What do you do that for? Imagine if you're related to your household members like that, your housemates or spouse or kids or parents. Hi, I haven't spoken to you for about six months, but we've got a problem. The fridge is broken. What are we going to do about it? I've tried everything I possibly could. It's like, well, it's lovely to see you again. Lovely to speak to you again. Why do we do that with God? I'm not saying you guys do, but I'm saying why do people do that? See, because our natural life should be prayerful and our prayerful life should be natural. But even with this greatest of all motivations, remember we are in a time of spiritual struggle. And that's why we're told this. In the second half of the first verse, I told you we will speed up. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. This is the second half of the thing we're told to do. Stay alert and be persistent. This is sort of the stop, revive, survive of prayer. We've got to make sure we don't fall asleep at the spiritual wheel. Uh, Ever been in a prayer meeting where you've fallen asleep? Uh, I may have, maybe. Um, And you're there and you're thinking, oh, it's been a long day. Praying, praying. And you're just hoping that nobody else heard that little snore. You think, here I am in the presence of God. And I'm like, (laughs) snoring away. It's like... But I take heart in a funny old way from the fact that Jesus was with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to die. He needs protection. And what do they do? (laughs) Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, Peter, wake up. Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The flesh is weak. Of all the nights to not sleep through a prayer meeting, and they were in the presence of Jesus. We need to stay alert. And we need to be persistent in our prayers. You see that? It says we need to be persistent in our prayers. Reminds me of something else that Jesus said about prayer. Luke eleven five. Then, teaching them more about prayer, Jesus used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. It's pretty late. And you're wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And you say to him, Hey, a friend of mine's just arrived for a visit and I've got nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, Go away! Don't 
bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. They just lived in one big room and they didn't want all the kids woken up. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. Go away. Go down to 7-Eleven. But I, Jesus said, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. I don't think I expected that. I would have thought he said, but because you're a good guy, he's a good guy, he'll give you the bread. No, because you're bugging him and you're waking his kids up. All right, take the bread and go away. God is telling us to nag him. Funny, isn't it? I, I think of some of the prayers I pray to God. and I could, I could imagine him saying, you know that you've prayed that before. Uh, yeah, I want everyone in Jamboree to know about Jesus. Yeah, Jody, I... A couple of months ago you prayed that and your, pray, your church prayed that and they keep praying it over and over again. Do you think I'm stupid? Uh, no, God, we don't think you're stupid. But you've told us to nag you because it's really important. And so we nag, 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 nag God. We have prayer times to nag God. Now, that sounds a bit disrespectful, but you kind of get the vibe, right? That is what it means to be persistent in our prayers, I think. But what is it that we should be praying? Well, we should be praying to him what really matters. And, and Jesus told us that. We've already prayed this together. This is a different translation, which is quite interesting. In Luke 11, 2-4, Jesus said, This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. That's in Luke 11, verses 2 to 4. And you know where the bit is about the nagging and knocking on the door and the bread? From verse 5, straight after that. So you get the Lord's Prayer and he says, what is it like? It's like nagging a mate at midnight for some bread. That's why we keep praying it. We keep praying it. We keep praying it. He's asking us to be persistent in our prayers. And what else is it that we should be praying Well, most significantly, we should be praying for all believers. We should be praying for other believers. That's why we spend our time devoted to praying for real people and real things in our news sheet right here. We are praying for these people. And Shani led us tonight, and, and, and each week Trevor puts together all of these prayers for us and emails them out, and, and, and Storm puts them in the news sheet and puts them up on Alvanto and stuff. These are people, real people. We pray for people. We pray for believers everywhere. It's not an abstract concept. And you know, take these with you. Stick them in your Bible. Put them by your bed. So you've got prayers right there to be praying for. They're good things to pray for. And so what should we pray for them? Uh, I, reckon, I reckon I know what the default prayer is we pray for people. Something like this. Dear God, we pray for John that you be with him. Okay, well, that's not a bad thing to pray. But can we add a little bit more to that? What exactly is it that we should be praying for John, other than God would be with him? Well, I think if we want to know how to pray for John more than God will just be with him, is that, that we will pray in the Spirit. And how do we pray in the Spirit? We know God's mind by his Spirit in his Word, and we pray that prayer to him. And we get an example of that right now. Because Paul says, I want you to pray for me. 
And he particularly prays for these things, verses 19 and 20. He says, pray for me, the Apostle Paul as well. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Where's Paul? Stuck in prison. And why is he in prison? Because he can't stop telling people about Jesus and he gets in trouble for it. He's locked up there as a missionary because he keeps on missioning, keeps on evangelising. And so what does he, in his missionary letter, pray for the Christians to pray for him? Well, if he didn't tell me what to pray for him, I wonder what it is that we would pray for the Apostle Paul. If he said, oh, and please also pray for me as I'm in prison. What do you reckon you'd pray for him? I reckon I'd pray, Lord, please keep Paul safe. Please help him to be comfortable as he's in difficult circumstances. Please help him not to be stressed and upset. Uh, Please help him to, to be freed from there so that he doesn't feel cooped up like that. I'd have all these sorts of things to pray for. But if I was praying in the spirit, you know what I'd be praying for? I would be praying that he would keep on speaking boldly for Jesus. Interesting, isn't it? And I would pray that that he would have the right words to say when he's asked. And you say, well, that's a bit calloused. What about his needs? What about his, his feelings? It's like, well, yeah, you can pray for those too. But pray that he will be the guy who says the stuff about Jesus with a punch. Gets it clear and gets it out there. He's not praying for comfort and freedom. He's praying for boldness and clarity. Because even though he's in chains for Jesus... He prays that he'd be an effective ambassador. I love that. It's like, how do you do the ambassador thing if you're locked up? Anyway, he knows it's his job and he prays that it will happen. But as I think about this, I, I felt a little bit of a, a rebuke as I pray for our missionaries and around the world and so on. I think there are many times, maybe, when I'm praying for things that are a little off target... How many times do I pray for Joe in the Middle East or Adrian and Anita uh, over in Bolivia? And, and I'm praying for, for some good stuff, but am I actually praying this way? Am I praying that God would keep them comfortable in the time of lockdown and COVID? Yeah, I probably am praying for that. But you know what I really want to be praying in the spirit? That God would give them clarity and boldness to get his gospel out, even though they're locked up in lockdown. That's what Paul said to pray for. That's praying in the spirit. And I wonder if this is true of other things in life as well. We might have a friend of ours who's going through a really hard time. What do we naturally pray for that friend who's going through a hard time? I think we naturally pray that they won't have a hard time anymore. But what if it is that God was using that hard time so that it would turn them to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to be saved? And so people might say, 
It was the hardest year of my life. I lost my job, I, and, list, and I got sick, and all these other things happened. But you know what happened? I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, and I thank him for that illness. I thank him for that retrenchment. I thank him for those difficulties in my relationships. And as we think about COVID-19... What are we praying for? We're naturally praying, give us a cure, give us a vaccine, get rid of this stuff, Lord, it's horrible. And that's good to pray for. But I wonder if at our very heart we are praying that through COVID-19, we wouldn't just hear about the hundreds of thousands of people who have got it and the hundreds of thousands of people who have died, but we hear about the hundreds of thousands of people who have been come to Christ and been converted. Is that our prayer? Is that what praying in the Spirit sounds like when you're praying for COVID-19 pandemic? That people would say, oh yes, I remember back to 2020. What a year it was. I lived through it. But you know the greatest thing about 2020? That's the year I came to Christ. See, that is what we should be praying for. And for some of you in this room, that is even your testimony. Praise God. How do we pray in the Spirit? That's how. Well, a couple of little things to tie up loose ends at the end. Paul says a bit about his mate Tychicus. He says, to bring you up to date, Tychicus will bring you a full report about what I'm doing and how I'm getting along. He's a beloved brother and a faithful helper in the Lord's work. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we're doing and to encourage you. This is a real letter. These are real people. And Tychicus, what a good guy. He is a beloved brother and a faithful helper in the Lord's work. Paul's locked up in jail. This guy is his go-to guy, his courier guy. It's a reminder that so many Christians help others in the church. We see this time to time, and it's great. And with that in mind, we then get the very, 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 very end, the last two verses. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. And may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Full stop. And that's the end of Ephesians. And it ends with a prayer. And I wonder also, as we look at these words in this prayer, whether you pray like that for other people. I don't think I do. Do I use the expression, oh, Yana, and I'm praying for John this week, that Lord, that you would give him love with faithfulness. Well, why don't I pray specifically that way? I mean, I pray kind of like that, but why don't I pray in the Spirit using those words? It's a beautiful prayer. Love with faithfulness. I think we often think of love with kindness, but love with faithfulness. It's a really interesting thing in the light of all the teaching of Ephesians. And then he says, May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, is that something that we would be naturally praying for someone? You know, I'm praying for John that, that God's grace would be eternally upon him. Grace eternally upon him. Well, there's so much that we've picked up as we've gone through Ephesians. There's so much that we can go wow about. But I think as we've seen it all, as we've grown together, we have beheld the wondrous mystery, to use the expression of a song that we've sung on times. We've understood the mystery that whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, doesn't matter, you are equal with God. Something that was utterly mind-blowing. And if that's true, what else is true? Everything else. Dead to life. Grace, you've been saved. 
And what a wondrous mystery all that is. Let me pray. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, so much for all that you have taught us. And we pray, Father, that peace would be with us and that you, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ might give us love with faithfulness. And we ask that your grace might be eternally upon all we who love our Lord Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Jim and Ruth and Glamour Church.